0: Good morning. Happy Sunday. It is the last day of April. And although it just seems like the year started, we are a third of the way now done with 2023. Amazing. Where does the time go? I love doing this early in the morning this time of year. The sun rises right over the Catholic Church right outside of the Studio 1A window here, and it's uh, it's always it's always a cool thing to see. And this morning they had, there was the uh, kind of like misty clouds, they, they were hanging around like, uh, I don't know, 800, 500, 800 feet, not too far off the ground, but not quite fog. That made for a really neat display this morning. <clears throat> we start out today in Psalm 54, quote, but God is my helper, the Lord keeps me alive, end quote. You know, it's hard in these times to remain strong in the faith, but if we are to be the light for those in darkness, we must find that strength. This line in Psalm 54 reminds me that God is always there to help. I also think that the word help is important. You know, we have duties as well, and we are never expected to just ask God to swoop in and save the day. That's not the way it works. Those who misunderstand why believers offer prayers, as in like thoughts in thoughts and prayers, that sometimes folks will mock that statement. They don't understand this. That, and I've talked about that before about how powerful prayer is. But we're we're asking God to help us, not to swoop in and save the day. And you know what? I I suspect that some that profess themselves as Believers themselves don't really understand this either. I, I don't, and 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 I only say that because I, at one point in time in my faith journey, I, I was like that. But it's part of the reason why I do this. We can continue to learn, share, and grow together. Now we start out in John two, and this is the first miracle of John, and it starts with a transformation A transition statement. I always like pointing those out the next day. And I I was struggling to remember the next day from what. So I went back to John one to see where the next day is starting from. And I'm glad I did because I missed part of John one yesterday. Uh, I I don't know if it was a glitch in the Bible app or a glitch in the Greg app or (laughs) something along those lines. But, um, I did miss that, so let's let's flip back to the rest of John one. Now John instantly recognized Jesus. He saw the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus, kind of like a dove, I believe it, it. It's referenced as, and John proclaims that this is the one he's been speaking of, the quote, "Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." Now John B. didn't baptize Jesus. Then, in fact, I, I don't think that it's shown in John John, unless I miss something again. I don't think so. I tried to look through a couple of times because the next day, transition, John sees, John B. sees Jesus again and proclaims him the Lamb of God. Now, Andrew overheard this and he went to go find his brother, Simon, a.k.a. Peter, a.k.a. Cephas, and says, hey, we have found the Messiah finally. So this is how, according to John, that uh, Andrew and Peter are drafted, if you will. And Jesus then goes to Galilee the next day, transition statement, and calls Philip to follow him. Philip told his brother Nathanael, whom Jesus called a genuine soul of Israel, son, rather, of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Now, that's the end of John 1. So that was the, we go to the next day. And this is the wedding of Cana. This is a pretty well-known story and does represent the first miracle, I believe, uh, that John speaks of. So Jesus is at a wedding and so is his mother. It's interesting how John doesn't call her by her name, but obviously it's Mary. Now they're at a wedding. Mm-hmm. You would almost think that, since uh, Jesus and his mother was there, it could very well be someone in Jesus's family, because as we find, as we hear just a little bit later, Jesus and Mary and and the disciples and his brothers went off to spend some time together. So by this point in time, Jesus is part of a larger family. Um, now Mary obviously knows of Jesus's divinity, John. Um doesn't go through any of the Immaculate Conception and the growing up and, and all this and all that. He just, I think, assumes that everybody understands. Because Mary says Jesus, it's like, hey, you know, we're out of wine. There's a lot of people here. It's early in the night. That's not a good thing. And Jesus is like, it's not my time yet. But Mary kind of like... <laughs> She's like, no, nah, I think Jesus is going to do something. So she, she tells the servants, hey, just whatever my son tells you to do, just go ahead and do it. Well, it, it may not have been his time, but Jesus did. There's no transition statement, but it's probably almost immediately after, told the uh, servants, like, hey, there are six stone water jugs used for ceremonial washing. Fill them with water. And they did. And these things hold 20 to 30 gallons of water. And Jesus changed that water into wine. And not the cheap stuff either, the really good stuff. And Because uh, one, one of the partiers, the guests or the head guest or something along the lines dipped a cup in when the servants brought out these more jug or jugs of wine the the guest is like wow you know usually it's like folks like you know uh, will serve like the good stuff at first and then the cheap stuff as people start to drink and and get affected by it but it's like you held on to the really good stuff for later and think about how much how much wine we're talking about here if each one of those jugs could hold 20 to 30 gallons and there's six of them that's 120 to 180 gallons of wine I would imagine that was a pretty happy celebration. Now, after this miracle, the disciples believed in him. I I count the current list at four, because let's just recap. We have Andrew, then Peter, Simon, Cephas. So that's two. And then Philip and Nathaniel, that's four. And then you probably would have to add John at the very least at this point in time, because John, not John B., but John as an author, John here, uh, he's relating all of this as if that he could have been told this so but i get the impression that john is recanting the um the wedding at cana story as a firsthand witness could be wrong anyway so so now the um after the wedding as i mentioned before jesus stayed with mary his disciples and his brothers no number of brothers given in capernaum for a few days and that's all that John says about that. But think about that. It's like after the wedding, they go out and, and think about what the conversations would have been like. It's like, Jesus, how did you do that? So well, I can't really tell you now, or let me tell you a little bit, or, I mean, I don't think that the changing of 120 to 180 gallons of water to wine was going to go unnoticed and not discussed in those conversations. That's just me. If I was there, I would ask. Um, now the next day, no, I'm sorry. The transition statement here is when it was really nearly time for the Passover celebration. So there's, there's really no definitive, uh, indication of how long after the wedding of Cana to the next scene in John two, uh, is you imagine it's probably not that long of a time, but it. It's probably not the next day. So we're at the temple, and I guess you would imagine that um, this is probably the first, well, I was going to say the first time Jesus ever went to the temple during Passover, but maybe now it's his time to relate to what he said at the wedding at Cana, because he did something that uh, you would imagine that he hadn't done before, because it wasn't spoken of. And that's, he chased all the merchants and the money changers from the temple, saying that they defiled it, basically. And think about it, the reason why they're there is that you get people coming to Jerusalem, to the temple uh, for the Passover celebration as they're required to by Mosaic law. They're required to bring sacrifices, but it often doesn't make sense to bring animals on that long journey. So they would basically just buy animals when they got there and, and use them for the required sacrifice of whatever they had to sacrifice for. And they most likely had, currency that is different than what's there. And that's why you have the money changers. And so what I get from this is that now this has become a profit operation for these folks, that people are making money off of those coming from the Passover and doing their, their duty by the, by the law. And that's not good in the eyes of Jesus. Now, um, the disciples noted that they referenced Psalm 69, which is, uh, Passion for God's house will consume me. As a, I'm assu- I didn't go back to Psalm 69, but I'm assuming that the context is in that of the Messiah. I'll have to check that later. Well, anyway, he's challenged by the Jewish leaders, saying, Basically, by what authority do you do this? I mean, you know, who, who are you <laughs> to say how we're supposed to do this? And they wanted to know some sort of a miracle, because I think that the insinuation was that this is my father's house, this is I am I am something special, maybe the Messiah Jesus is trying to convey. But they're like, Well, if you're so good and so so hoity toity and so authority driven, show us a miracle. And Jesus responds with um as a sign, he'll rebuild the temple in three days. Now, physically, the temple took 46 years to build, but that's not what Jesus is referring to, and John points this out. Jesus is referring to his own body, and later on, the disciples will remember exactly that Jesus said this when they go to the tomb, and then three days, on the third day, he he's, his body is not in the tomb. Now, at this point in time, people began to trust Jesus, but... Um, It's kind of interesting the way John says this. Jesus didn't really trust in people, but I think that that's not a negative statement. It's just a statement to then relay the fact that, quote, no one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart, end quote. I remember what I talked about yesterday when we were talking about, I think it was Psalm 52, and I'm just scooting back a little bit here. Um, And... When we're talking about that, we yeah, it was Psalm fifty. Um, I find it interesting. Only fools say that. In only fools say in their hearts there is no God. That we had talked about the interesting thing about their the statement of in their hearts and and how it seems like today that sometimes people are are they're letting the intellectual part of their minds override what their hearts are telling them. But anyway, Jesus is saying, I, I, I don't have to deal with this trust or not trust. I know exactly what is in each one of your hearts. Think about that. We go over to the Old Testament, Joshua 19, and and this is again some more almost like bookkeeping or or record keeping items. So, Joshua 19 is all of the, uh, the rest of the land allotment. So starting with the second, which goes to Simeon. it And all of these detail, the towns and the boundaries and all that. And then the third was Zebulun. The fourth, Issachar. The fifth to Asher. The sixth to Naphtali, Naphtali. The seventh to Dan. And then after all the land was divided amongst the tribes, Joshua received his land. He chose Tamanthesh. 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 You can read it <laughs> in the hill country of Ephraim. Uh, this completed the division of the land. And then Joshua 20, the Lord told Joshua to tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge, as we've previously talked about, basically where folks can go near a city if they are, if they are accused of, of killing and until they get to trial to determine whether or not this is a murder or not. Because and, and, there is that distinction between killing and murder. Um, All the instructions are reviewed and the cities are listed. And then we go over to Joshua, just the first part of Joshua 21, 1 through 19. The towns and the pasture land for the Levites are listed. These are out of their own grants, the Israelites, Israelites' own grants of land. And that's it for today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the Sunday, rest of the weekend. Get ready for a great week on Monday. Coming up, we'll see you then. And live today as if the king is coming back today. Thank you.